0: This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Everyone's a Critic, jointly presented with Chindana. Hello, you're listening to Everyone's a Critic. I'm Sharmila Ganesan and this week I'm joined by arts writer Ellen Lee for our weekly review. Thank you for joining me, Ellen. Thanks for having me. So, Today we are doing something a little bit different because um, what we're going to discuss today is actually a webcomic by Eisner-nominated comic artist Remina Yee. Um, and she's got a new webcomic that's just debuted that's called Alexander the Servant and the Water of Life. Now, the thing is, this is a serialized webcomic, so uh, we've only got the prologue so far. What Ellen and I are going to do is instead actually review the sort of online experience of taking in this as a work of art. Because um, along with the webcomic itself, Remina actually accompanies uh, all of this with a lot of insight into her artistic process, a lot of insight into her planning and thought process and the research that goes into it. So we thought it would make for a really interesting discussion in terms of how we consume art and the ecosystem within which art is created. So Ellen... um, What were your initial impressions when you first visited the website?
1: I thought everything about the comic is really great. I love the art. And I think what she's trying to do is very ambitious with the story.
0: The story itself is, of course, the story of Alexander the Great. Um, mm-hmm. And she describes it as a 21st century Alexander romance. So she intends to, I think, um, retell it or recontextualize it within a 21st century lens. As of now, it's not entirely clear how, because from the art and the works that I've seen so far it's still um it still has a classical look to it it still looks like it's set in a different era so I'm interested to see where this goes I think to to contextualize what we have so far on the on the website that houses the webcomic um it's the prologue and the and chapter 1 I believe will drop on the 21st of July and subsequently it'll be a fortnightly release of every subsequent um edition I agree with you. I agree that it was, it it seems like a really ambitious project. It also feels like a really apt rabbit hole read in the sense that um, I I realized I spent a lot of time just browsing around the website, reading, uh, her, looking at her sketches, reading her research. And it became a really interesting experience. I felt like I was on more of a journey with her than I would if I were just reading the comic.
1: Yeah, I think the comic itself is also a rabbit hole because, um, so the comic follows the Alexander romance, which is the legends of the life and adventures of Alexander the Great, uh, which was a Roman emperor in 300 something BC. So when she says that it's a 21st century, uh, updating of it, she's sort of bringing the legend of Alexander through the eras up to the 21st century. So I think, so like, and this is reflected in her art as well, because she has, uh, like you said, like a, very, a lot of classical references and a lot of medieval references and uh, ancient references. And reading it uh, is a rabbit hole because there are so many references in each panel. And she has like a really great attention to detail in everything
0: what do you make of it being a web comic versus a um, a physical to be read physically comic?
1: I was never really into comic books myself um, as a kid. Like maybe I grew up slightly later than the comic book era because I was I was really launched straight into the web era. So this feels very natural for me, actually. That's interesting, right? Because
0: I'm a big fan of graphic novels. Um, I love reading. I love being able to hold it in my hand and, and, and read it and look at the art. It, it's a sort of very tactile experience for me. But mm-hmm. that said, I cannot imagine reading a work like this that way. Um, mostly because I think it's so it's so well tooled for the web format. It's so well tooled. We've said rabbit hole several times, but I think it is actually really well tooled for that Um you know, because the chances of you putting down a book that you're reading physically and going to look up things or to, um, oh, I want to pick on this detail or I want to see where this came from, isn't as high as when you're already on a browser and you're doing it. And I feel like that's actually an intrinsic part of this experience. Um I know there's a lot of criticism leveled at online forms of entertainment or, or, or reading which says that you're easily distracted. But I almost feel like this folds that distractability into the experience in a very, uh, very productive way.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, it's great for the lockdown as well because now you have more time to get into all the rabbit holes that you want.
0: And actually, it being great for the lockdown is reflected in the fact that it is serialized. I love the fact that um, I have something to look forward to. I love the fact that I kind of, so we have the prologue and I already want to read chapter one. And it feels like it's going to, we're going to go on a, a bit of a journey together, which I think makes it more more interesting than than something that you perhaps buy and keep and, and browse, you know, at your leisure.
1: Um, what did you think of the art? So like I said, I actually really love the references that she puts into her art. Like you can see uh, some styles are like um, the styles of uh, ancient Greek pottery and then it moves on to like the styles of um, medieval uh, manuscripts and then you you also have like Islamic-inspired art in there which um, as someone who comes from... who's who's sort of like surrounded more by fine art, you don't really see this amount uh, of acknowledgement of references and influences. So I think uh, it was quite... I mean so this is quite refreshing for me to see I think.
0: And I think it's an important part of the story that she's telling because she she takes great pains to situate the Alexander legend the Alexander romance as it were within a larger context of um this isn't just a western Legend. This isn't just Western mythology. Uh, we have versions of the Alexander story in many cultures, um, and and you know there's actually a really great uh, piece that she wrote in her blog about this idea of belonging and how stories belong to or can belong to everyone and no one at the same time. And and so in that sense, I think the art really reflects that. I love the there's a there's a part early on where she kind of depicts. Alexander, in his many different uh, names and and in the many different ways in which he might have looked, you know, in the cultures that yeah. also lay claim to him. And I thought that was really powerful, and it was a really interesting frame for the story because you already know that um you're not being told you're not being told uh, or retold that same version that you keep hearing again and again, and that perhaps you might be getting a
1: a more unreliable version, but in a good way mm yeah I think it would be really interesting to see how she brings it up to the twenty first century because I don't know whether in the twenty first century we have such figures as uh like the figure of Alexander anymore um I think maybe so this was the really interesting thing for me to see the sort of like intertextuality of everything and how a single figure passes through different eras and different locations uh Whereas in the... I mean, it's a very foreign experience for someone who's brought up in the 21st century because all of our major figures are sort of like celebrities. I don't think we grew up hearing about singular figures anymore.
0: And singular figures who are, I think... um, because of the, because now the borders and and sort of uh, images and stories are, are porous, right? Because of the internet, because of media, we get that uh, one version of a person. Where else um, the way stories traveled at his time and the way they've been mm-hmm. reimagined in different in different cultures, um, it's a very it's unique.
1: Yeah, and uh, so I don't know if you know this, but I studied literature. Oh no, I didn't so- know that. Yeah. So my background is actually in literature. So I, I I find I found the the sort of like the the intertextual or like the literary aspect of it like more a bit more interesting than the the form of it as a comic. Um, because then I went and did some research on this figure of Alexander the Great, which is a real historic figure and then sort of became this literary figure. And it's interesting. For me, how um, stories pass through cultures because you, 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 it, the Alexander romance started as a Greek story and then it, it gets translated into other stories. But then, um, like, for example, the Greek one, the Greek story got lost over time. And so, for modern historians to reconstruct the original story, they actually relied on an Armenian version of the story. And then Uh, to fill in the blanks of the Greek one and then they translated that back into Greek oh that's that's fascinating yeah, yeah like this literary literary journey is very 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 interesting for me
0: we're talking about Ramina Yee's latest webcomic, Alexander, the Servant and the Water of Life. It's currently available uh, at alexanderromance.com. It's a serialized webcomic. So currently the prologue is up there. The chap- the first chapter will be out on the 21st of July. So let us know. Are you a fan of graphic novels? Are you a fan of webcomics? You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. You're listening to Everyone's a Critic, jointly presented with Chindana. Bolé for Malaysia. ha! BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You're listening to Everyone's a Critic, jointly presented with Chindana. Welcome back. You're listening to Everyone's a Critic with Sharmila, and I'm joined today by arts writer Ellen Lee. And together we've been discussing Ramina Yee's webcomic, Alexander the Servant and the Water of Life. So, Ramina is, of course, the Eisner nominated creator of The Carpet Merchant of Constantinia, and this latest comic is actually a serialized webcomic. You can read it at alexanderromance.com. So, We've spent quite a bit of time talking about the form and of the uh, story of Alexander itself. I wanted to dive now into the, the stuff we touched on briefly, the surrounding uh, experience of reading this comic. You know, the um, mm. being able to look at the sketches, being able to look at her notes on characters. Um, you know, I, I must say that I actually enjoyed that deeply. I, I loved mm. being able to uh, first look at the comics and then look at the the behind the scenes in some way because that lifting of curtains is something that I find is so suited to consuming this online
1: yeah I agree um I think it's I was it was really fascinating for me to see the progression of her sketches um I think she starts with like like a storyboard very big outline and then she it gets more detail and then she fills in all the color and then uh But from the sketch, which can take about like two hours, to the coloring, which can take about a week. uh, It's a process that not every artist shares, uh, but which I found digital artists to be more uh, open. Open way. There's this one
0: section that she shares about um, how would Alexander hold a kylix, and she's got these multiple sketches. So, a kylix is those those ancient Greek. Cups. I think it's it's a sort of a wine drinking cup that's that's really huge and it's got handles on the side. And so um, she was talking about how she conceptually did not know how someone would hold it. And that's something that she'd have to think about when she draws someone holding it, right? Yeah. And, you know, it gave me this, this little bit of an insight into the kind of detail that artists would have to think about when you're drawing versus, say, a writer who could just say he picked up the Kylix. And in your head, you probably have an image but a a graphic novelist or a comic artist would actually have to figure out how to depict it. And I think these sorts of details really helped me uh, not just understand her process, but then go back to the comic and look at the details and look at the various parts in which and go, oh, I wonder how much thought she put into how this outfit would look or how they might sit on a horse or how this person might pose in a particular space. Um, And I don't know, there's something very... Almost intimate about that process, about about an artist letting you into that process.
1: Yeah, she's very generous with uh, sharing her process with us. Like it almost makes me feel that it almost makes me want to start drawing as well because it's like it's almost <laughs> like a tutorial. Like you just do this first, then you do this. What did you think about? The fact that she picked this story
0: itself, because um, as I mentioned earlier, one of my favorite posts was the one where she talked about why she was attracted to writing about Alexander in the first place. And this notion of um, minority cultures or people from a minority culture feeling free to write about anything they want, rather than only having to represent a minority. So it wasn't something I gave a lot of thought to when I first started reading the comic. But once I read the comic and then I read that post, I suddenly realized that this was true, that, um, you know, a Malaysian comic artist deciding to take on the Alexander Romance because something about it appealed to her. um, There's something quite empowering
1: about it. Yeah. Um, but I also think that during that era, there were more legends maybe. And I think it could relate to what we were talking about earlier about how information is so, so, so much more dispersed now. And um, we sort of get an overload of it now. Whereas I think in that era or before the rise of information technology... Um, there were more of these sort of like godlike figures that imprinted themselves onto human minds. Um, and even with Alexander himself, um, who's who, and the waters of life, which I think are like the fountains of youth, um, this is a motif that goes back way uh, further than Alexander himself uh, to even like the most. The earliest form of narrative fiction, which is the Epic of Gilgamesh, mm-hmm. I think there's like a certain romanticism in her choice of choosing Alexander as well, because these sorts of these sorts of figures that have such a legacy behind them, uh, I don't think they can exist anymore in this era.
0: Yes, you're right. You're right, and and I think that um, for me at least, what was. Uh, freeing in a sense. And what was uh, that sense of empowerment that I mentioned earlier comes from the fact that she doesn't feel like she needs to only stick to legends from Malaysia, for instance, or that she needs to only depict stories from her culture, Um, which is something, you know, Western creators and Western writers have been doing for decades and centuries, right? Um, Legends of everywhere are ripe for the mining Stories from every part of the world give them inspiration to create works. So I think that it is um, interesting when a writer from Malaysia chooses to engage with this myth that, as she points out, actually has iterations in every part of the world. Yes, I agree.
1: Um, I don't think Malaysians... I think it is kind of like... um, I know that we have this idea that... uh, you should always just stick to what you know or what you, what culture you're from because um, especially if you come from the less dominant cultures, like the non-Western cultures, there's this sense that you have to, I don't know, somehow like uplift these stories more because they've been ignored within the global canon. Uh, but I also think it's somewhat condescending to say that someone from a... Um, like an eastern culture should only stick to eastern things like they have no right to comment on international or global cultures so just in
0: closing um do you see yourself continuing on this journey are you going to keep an eye on the serialized comic and keep reading them
1: yeah 100% especially if this lockdown uh never ends <laughs> i just <laughs> hope not <laughs>
0: Uh, no, for sure. I I definitely see myself waiting for the next chapters. I, I already marked my calendar for July 21st when the first chapter comes out. Uh, so thank you for joining me today, Ellen. It was lovely discussing this with you. Thanks for having me. We've been reviewing Ramina Yee's webcomic, Alexander, the Servant and the Water of Life. Um, it is a serialized webcomic. It's up on alexanderromance.com. And currently the prologue is out. The first chapter will be released on the 21st of July and then from then on, it will be a fortnightly release. So let us know, are you a fan of web comics? Are you a fan of graphic novels? You can WhatsApp us 18 Tweet us at BFM Radio. You've been listening to Everyone's a Critic, BFM 89.9. Everyone's a Critic, jointly presented with Chandana. For updates on Malaysian arts and culture, follow Chandana on Facebook and Instagram.